So you wanna know what your strength ratio should be. What are some good numbers to go for? What's realistic? Well, in today's episode, we're gonna talk about what some realistic strength goals are for a generalist mover, meaning somebody that doesn't specialize in gymnastics or calisthenics or weightlifting or anything like that. Make sure you stick around because Yanni and I are gonna break this down into something that gives you some really tangible goals. All that and more coming up. Hey everyone, in case we haven't met, my name's Rad Burmeister. I'm one of the co-founders of Unity Gym and UMS, the Unified Movement System, where we turn driven people into superhumans. Now, the way we get such astonishing results with our members is that Yanni and I have created a program that has a perfect balance between strength and flexibility. It's very unique. If you wanna know how we do that, you can download one of our free blueprints. There's the flexibility blueprint, the strength blueprint, and the nutrition blueprint. There's a link in the description of this video for all of them. Choose the one that you wanna get or get them all. Now I'm joined by Get my brother all. for the first time in a little while. How are you, bro? Unity. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. I've been uh, missing in action from these live shows for a while. This is the first time I've been a part of the Facebook live stream. Uh, but we've been working on some really big projects in the background to um, make this place just generally more awesome. Oh, there's so much going on. If you could see, uh, you know, Yanni and I have these regular meetings where we're sitting down and trying to get the list of all the things that we're working on down to something that's more manageable. And uh, for anybody that's been following us for a while, you know that we work our butts off to make things happen. We are not the kind of uh, trainers and business owners that just sit around twiddling our thumbs. So some really cool stuff coming. Uh, on another note though, um, I'm good, glad I'm on this side. This is my good side. My right arm is bigger than my left <laughs> arm and it makes me look slightly bigger than um, Rad there, I think. So... <laughs> Uh, that's the most important part. Um, oh. Phil has asked not to talk closer and back from the oh, microphone okay, because yeah, it's yeah. going to be harder for the podcast. Yeah. Um, Sorry, podcast listeners. I'm you just did it again. again. <laughs> you, you just literally just did it again. Just yeah, sit right. back and talk. Everything will be good. So we've got a really good question today, and uh, it's come off the back end of how uh, we move people from our foundations program into the progressions program. And there's two questions. One is from Alex Seabrook, which I'm going to answer second because that's a, a longer answer for Alex. Uh, the first one, it comes from Brandon Kaleman, who said, I'm digging into all the structural balance work and I'm wondering if there are benchmarks of relative strength for a generalist mover to have the most athletic and capable body possible. For instance, a double bodyweight back squat or, a, uh, or deadlift or any other body weight um, prevent ratios for the for the testing lifts, uh, and there absolutely is. There's a we're going to go through a bunch, and Yanni will chime in here um, with his thoughts as well. But for the in the UMS, what we look for for a generalist mover for a good standard is uh, a double body weight. Uh, back squat. These are for single reps, a double body weight back squat, uh, a triple body weight deadlift, and a one and a half times body weight bench press. Uh, a body weight overhead press, so a standing barbell press. You, you just said a triple body weight deadlift? Yeah. Would you really? Yeah. Or did we say two and a two half and times? A half, okay, yeah. sorry, two and a half times body weight triple deadlift. Triple body weight deadlift is pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, that's like... Um, okay, so two and a half times body weight deadlift. Natural competition level yeah, for okay. powerlifting. Okay, sorry, I got that wrong. So two and a half times body weight deadlift, one and a half times body weight bench press, one times body weight uh, overhead press, and... Um, then as far as the pulling movements go, um, we look for um, f for a, uh, a pull-up, we'd look for um, eight chest-to-bar pronated grip pull-ups, um, which is a, you Jesus know. fucking Christ, this is like moving the Death Star. Yanni's trying to move my computer, you can't see it off screen. Oh. 
Holy crap, you should see his computer. So, so yeah, those are some really good benchmarks. Now, you've got to, you've got to think to yourself, um, if that stuff scares you, then it should. I mean, we're not going to tell you something that's just around the corner from you. Otherwise, what's the point? You're going to be looking for something else. These are, these are, some, uh, these are realistic goals. We've, uh, at, we have all achieved um, some, most or all of those goals at some stage during our training. And uh, what we're doing now is because this is the whole purpose of the UMS, um, over the years or decades of training, Yanni and me have ebbed and flowed with what we've focused on. And so we've, we've hit goals and then we've lost that strength or lost that flexibility and then come back to it. And the whole goal of the UMS now is to create this training system where not only do we hit those goals, but we maintain them, you know, and we maintain our strength and maintain our flexibility. So it's always there and, and always yeah. usable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that there's not many people that can, um, discuss what they are capable of and demonstrated in it at, at any at any moment um, and generally as like we discussed the other day uh, when you when you run towards something you're always running away from something else you know and so it's it's difficult to cr create a program or a system where you are constantly uh, leveling up all aspects mm -hmm. of your um, physical capability yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what the UMS is there to One do. One thing I'll say is what we, you know, what we just mentioned with the um, the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, things like that, overhead press. Um, there is going to be physical nuances um, that are um, very much, um, you know, are personal to you in regards to your physique, that your body shape. You know, <clears throat> people with longer arms are usually always going to be better at pulling a big deadlift. Uh, people with uh, shorter, uh, longer legs are usually always going to be worse at squatting, mm -hmm. um, and you know the the so you've you've got to also take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, like, it's good yeah. To these have... are these are like these are loose, you know, yeah, ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like if you never achieve these numbers, then you've you've failed. The other thing they're to, benchmarks. There's yeah. something to aim for. Yeah, you know? and the, the other thing to think of as well, which I think is really important to do, is uh, we would not recommend pursuing these benchmarks until you achieve structural balance in the body. So that's what the. Well, this is what I was about to add, and this is why I th I love our system so much. It's you versus you, and. I think that the focus should b be more on creating that structural balance using the formula, the testing formula, as opposed to, oh, I want a, a double body weight back squat or a two and a half times body weight deadlift. Like, sure, that's like the next step, you know, but first of all, try and achieve structural balance because yep. that's hard enough in itself. That's yeah. a journey for most people in itself, you yeah. know, um, and during that journey and that process, you're going to become one very, very um, uh, fluent in your ability to assess yourself and understand how your body's working. You're going to become a brilliant program designer because it's going to require that during that process of being able to take the data from your testing and turn that into a cool program. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to come out the other side, you know, being a very capable um, you'll be more capable than most personal trainers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like seriously. And for those of you that take the time to go through this testing process several times and and create your own programs and you know understand it, you'll know more than the average personal trainer about programming. You absolutely will. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and when we say the average, I mean probably 
90% of personal trainers. Um, so Kumaran's jumped in here and said, uh, morning all, actually managed to catch the, the live feed on Facebook today. Awesome, bro. Thanks. And so. Kumaran, you've finally got a name that um, represents who you are as opposed yeah, yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, now we know. Yeah. YouTube. Bioseed, yeah. <laughs> it's us scratching our heads going, man, this Bioseed dude sounds like he really knows us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Kumaran, for those of you that don't know, Kumaran is a member of the gym. All right, let's move on to Alex Seabrook's question because this is the, the bigger one that this show's more about. So uh, Alex has said i would be interested i've got to i've got to try and get close enough to read this but far enough away from the mic that i'm not changing the levels of my my voice i would be interested to understand whether there are any key markers in strength flexibility or the ability to do certain exercises that indicate whether a person is ready to move on to the next phase or more difficult exercises. So um, that's referring to in the UMS, we have levels of exercises and they go up in difficulty when you look at the program and you look at the progression chart, which is a part of the program that, you know, there's, there's levels for the difficulty of the exercises. So there absolutely are some key markers, Alex, but they're not set in stone. And it's a really good question because there's a few things that you need to understand and I really hope that, that you uh, all pay attention to this because this is really important and this is where so many people get things wrong. The number one key marker that you look for whether or not whether an exercise is too difficult for you or not is can you do three perfect reps at least. If you can't do three reps with with perfect technique, it is too hard for you. People jumping around, and there's and um, people like uh, Daniel Vadnell from Fitness FAQs, who's a weapon in calisthenics, totally backs this up. You, um, uh, if you can only, if you can barely do one rep, one good rep, and when you try for that second rep, the the the, the exercise is too hard for you. It's more of a show off tool. It's more of a hey, look, I can do one handstand push up, but it's not something that you would put into a workout. Would you agree with that, Yanni? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and and in my opinion, uh, which is one of the reasons why we use a six RM strength test, that um, is that if once you have a decent training age, so you've been doing this style of training for. Um, one or more years, I'd say, mm, maybe yeah. two years is a good goal, then s the, the moment you can do more than six or seven reps easily uh, at the load that you're doing, you're probably ready to progress. Yeah, yeah, so I'll talk about that in a sec. Um, so the next, uh, um, the next thing to understand is, even though with what I said, there is a, um, I can't believe I'm using this word because you've already said it so word. many times, yeah. a caveat, <laughs> fucking yarny. It's got in my head. I've never said that word in my life before. Um, there is uh, there is an exception to that rule, and that is if you're trying to bust through a strength plateau and you're looking at a body weight exercise, and if you can, you know, maybe do one or two good reps of something, you can play around with hybrid sets, but you wouldn't stay on that for too long. You'd just do it for a couple of micro cycles, um, which means that, okay, the handstand push-up is a perfect example. So let's say you're stuck on the pike um, push-up, which means your feet are on the ground, these are your feet, these are your hips, and these are your hands, and you're like this doing your pike push-ups like that, and you're trying to get from there up to a feet elevated pike push-up, but you can barely do, you can do one or two really good reps, but you just can't get to three. You can play around with doing one rep of this one, and then a bunch of uh, reps, which is a hybrid set. But after you've really maxed out this possibility of what the pike push-ups can take you to. So when you're really consistently doing sets of eight reps of perfect technique on that pike push-up, but you just can't seem to bust into that three rep range of the next progression, then that's it. That, would you agree with that? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, look, one of the things that I think um, 
uh, I've come to realise is is really consistent among people who are at an elite level of movement practice is that they uh, spend a lot of time working on the same stuff yeah. over and over yeah. and over and over and over again. I mean, um, what's his name? Christopher Summers from Gymnastics Bodies. His uh, method is... Uh, now, take this with a grain of salt because I've only done the Gymnastics Bodies online um, courses and I've uh, done one of their, like their level one face-to-face um, uh, course where you go and, and do a two-day workshop with them. So take this with a grain of salt. I'm, Please don't say this is set in stone what Christopher Summers teaches. But from what I understand, what he does is he gets people to choose a progression that they can do for, you know, five to eight reps. And they stay on that one progression until they get up to the 15 rep range. Mm -hmm. And then they move to the next progression. So, um, you know, there is some definitely a lot of people that have a uh, different input on that same kind of philosophy. And and um, in, in the gymnastics body's way of doing things, they'll get you on that same progression for months and months and months until you really um, get your head around it. It's not something that we agree with. It's not the way we like to do it, but it's it's an example of yeah. someone Look, doing we, it that way. We, um, I mean, there's so many different ways of doing things, and I reckon we're going to hear a very different way of doing things when we have Simon Ater, uh, Simon Monster Strength, on the podcast next month um, because he has a very different f- training philosophy than we do, and mm. um, he likes to train maximally, as far as I know, and I've only heard this in passing all Well, this the time. is what Daniel told us. Yeah, this yeah. is what Daniel's told us, and, um, and I'm sure um, you know, he's going to be hard to argue with because he's, he's so good. You know? Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. You yep. know? But, yep. he's, but I'm looking um, forward to the uh, discussion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it'll, be it'll be good. So the, the next thing to think about, Alex, um, you know, how do you know when you're ready for the next um, progression is so you can do your three reps is you have to choose the progression that's right for you based on the current micro cycle. So those of you in the UMS online coaching this week, the micro cycle is accumulation, which means that you're going to be doing for someone like you, Alex, at your training level, you'd be doing about the eight rep range, eight to 10 reps. So you're going to choose a progression where you can do eight good reps on. But in the next cycle, when we're doing, sorry, next micro cycle, when we're doing strength, and we're going to be doing wave loading, where we're doing two sets of five reps, then upping the difficulty, two sets of three reps, then upping the difficulty, uh, one set of two reps. That's when you can go to a different progression, you know, using calisthenics for your pull-up progressions, you could go to a harder variation, something that you can only, you know, just do five or six reps on, and then you'll add a little bit of weight to yourself, for example, like with a pronator pull-up or whatever, or something like that. So that's another uh, another way where you know whether you're ready for the next uh, for the next progression or not. Anything you want to add to that, Yanni? No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's all about... So everything that I've just said, they're they're basic rules of thumb, but it's all about basically giving your body the time to really um, go through an adaptation from that exercise. And and it it takes time. It takes longer than what most people are are willing to understand. Um, You know, you have to just do repetition, repetition. Your your body will strengthen all the connective tissue. It'll strengthen the muscles. It'll, It'll strengthen the neural pathway. I actually said all of that in the reverse order that it 
it happens in. You know, so first you'll strengthen the neural pathway, the movement itself will become stronger, then you'll actually thicken the muscles and you'll you'll hypertrophy the muscles from it and then you'll strengthen the connective tissue. Um, and yeah, you have to, uh, it's not good to just sit on the same progression in our opinion for too long. We like to um, mix up the progressions. I wouldn't stay on the same progression for more than two mesocycles. And I would, um, as a general rule of thumb, I would even change which progression I do from mesocycle to mesocycle, or at least change the rep ranges. Like, um, you know, with a squat, you would, you know, be changing the rep range, even though you're still doing a back squat, you're not just going to do the exact same rep range, you know, continuing from mesocycle to mesocycle. Yep. Anything you want to add to that? No, not really. That's yep. pretty, pretty bang on, you know, and just be, um, be patient with the movements that you're working on, you know. Uh, volume is key, I think. I think volume is one of the most important things that people underestimate. You know, they go for intensity naturally because intensity is going to allow them to look cool. Yep. You know, volume doesn't look cool, yep. <laughs> except for the yep. pump you get after it. Uh, volume is just painful. Yeah. And, um, and so we, we tend to find that we uh, um, migrate or gravitate naturally towards doing higher intensity workouts because it's less neurologically destroying on the muscles um, and it yeah, looks so better painful, because yeah. you get and to you feel you get you to feel do like bigger weights you get yeah. to do harder movement progressions yeah. and uh, but the problem is that a lot of the time that um, in t level of intensity doesn't allow you to get enough volume in the workout yeah. so you're you know you're, you're, you're falling short of where yeah. you need to be in your workouts so what Jan is referring to for those of you that don't understand is intensity refers to the amount of weight you lift so when your weight goes up that's referring to increasingly intensity um, and for calisthenics and body weight movements, intensity refers to the difficulty of the progression that you're doing. So uh, in the example before, the pike um, handstand push-up, going from that to a feet elevated handstand push-up, that's increasing the intensity. Volume refers to um, adding the total amount of, uh, increasing the total amount of work done on any muscle group. And there's many ways you do that. You either add volume by doing more reps in every set, you add volume by doing more sets of an exercise, or you add volume by doing more exercises. So if in one month, if I was um, just doing chest press, and then the next month in the same workout, I did chest press and push-ups, that's a way to add volume. Um, and what Yanni's talking about, that, I, you know, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that's actually been one of my biggest breakthroughs in the last 12 months um, since I had this injury, because I got this injury from chasing intensity, from chasing the next progression and trying to force that, that change, you know, really going, oh man, I've been doing this progression for so long, I'm going to try and move to the next one. And I injured myself. And since then, it's forced me to really go um, eat some humble pie and go back to the basics and just refresh myself on stuff that I already knew, but actually put it into practice, not just know it, but actually do it. And that has been to back the intensity off and really focus on manipulating volume, volume, volume until you get to that point where you go, wow, my body is really ready to go to the next level of intensity with this. Let's up it and then focus on volume, volume, volume. How do I manipulate the volume in each workout and then go up intensity in intensity rather than what I always did before was every workout I chased more intensity, yeah. every single workout. And I think that was a big misunderstanding on my behalf of the way that you uh, make progress, um, you know, in in a, um, in, is that inter-workout progress, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anything you want to add to that, Yanni? No, no, I just think that that's very, it's something that, that's a real bombshell for a lot of people to let that sink in, you know? Volume is where body, bodies are made off volume, not yeah. intensity. Yeah, for know? sure, that for consistency, sure. Consistency, volume, yep. and um, 
you know, it's nice to be able to show off and it's nice to have um, benchmarks that you strive for, but that's why we only do testing week once every six weeks rather yep. than once every week, you know. Yep. Um, yep. It's and that's the volume what, in between those testing weeks that gets the result, not yeah, the testing. Yeah, and that's another reason why we don't. You don't hear us harping on about one RMs. Um, one RMs are, are good, but the last time I did one RM, I think that was probably about three years ago. I, I, I honestly haven't done one RM in the last two years, which means one repetition max, which means doing an, a, a, an intensity level where you can literally only do one rep of it. If, if someone held a gun to your head and said, I'm going to shoot you if you do, don't do two reps, you still wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and yeah, it's, there, there's a place for it. Um, but in the UMS and in the way that we train, it's a, it's a small place. Mm. Um, so look, if anybody's got any questions, we're going to keep the live stream going for another 60 seconds to see if anybody's got any questions and otherwise we're going to cut it you got any um final thoughts on this yanni no not really I'm, my head's in the clouds a bit at the moment folks because i'm managing a lot of different projects so i do um apologize that's why I feel yeah like yanni got pulled in yanni got pulled into this show literally mm -hmm. in the last minute because phil is busy today he's working with a mentor uh, a physiotherapist mentor and i just grabbed yanni and said yanni you got to come on the show with me and he didn't even know what we were doing i said don't worry just sit down and and you know you'll pick it up when we uh, when we start talking That's about right. it but um, uh, i will be back it's just that um i've got uh, i'm managing a few other things at the moment yeah and look if, if for those of you that saw our latest youtube video on the middle splits um, you will see that uh, I meant what I said. We are committing to releasing weekly workout videos. We've got another two middle splits videos uh, edited, ready to go up, and I'm going to be putting them up uh, tomorrow and Thursday. I've just got to take a thumbnail for it, and it's, uh, it's it, uh, you know, I have to make, do a really impressive middle splits to make it look good, and tomorrow is my middle splits day, so we're going to wait till tomorrow to get that thumbnail. And uh, the next topic uh, that has come up, the next hot topic is, uh, is Pike, how to increase your pike which is you know getting your head to your toes um, so I'll do a couple of videos on that and then I'm probably going to off the back end of that do some more videos on press to handstand because that's been a, a hot topic for our um, channel as well so um, keep an eye out because I've made some amazing progress in the last uh, six months on all of those things on the middle splits pike and press to handstand I've got some really exciting stuff um, to share with uh, with you and um, and quick shout out uh, before we go Blakely the uh, ever impressive Blakely, who's just an all-round awesome guy, and uh, Quok, good on you for joining us as Quok well. is, um, anybody that watches our show, you'll notice we give Quok a shout-out all the time. He's one of our most loyal viewers, and I just found out, not only is uh, Quok coming down to the Endrain Strength Workshop, which I knew about, but he's actually coming down on the morning of the Friday before that, so I've invited him to come and uh, train with oh, us. Cool. Because that dude is an impressive dude, man. I've yeah. checked out his Instagram page, and he does some really impressive calisthenics I'm really keen to have you along, uh, Quok. Um, come along and uh, do a training session with us, and uh, you know we'll go for lunch and we'll hang out for the day. It'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, Doing those goofy leg lifts on platform things. So Yanni's just reading. Read it out loud, Yanni. Uh, so Blakely's saying, doing those goofy leg lift on platform things, but finding the balance challenging uh, from end range too. Uh, any thoughts on getting started with it? <laughs> goofy leg lift things. So Blakely, are you talking about the pistol uh, leg lifts? Can I'd you please just clarify? Yeah, compression. The, the pistol leg lifts, uh, I, I think you are. So uh, any uh, finding the balance challenging from end range to any thoughts on getting started with it yes there are okay so um 
so the ability to be able to get deep into a pistol squat is going to be a limiting factor with that exercise. So there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, you can use heel elevation just like you do with a squat. If you, uh, you know, put a little five kilo or, or I guess a 10 pound or 12 pound plate or whatever you guys have in the States, um, that's about that high. If you put that under your heel, that'll dramatically, um, you know, make it easier for you. The next thing is um, I've got people at the uh, at the gym that have had the same question, and if you can actually grab onto the front of the box, that'll help anchor you um, and clarify as well for me. You, do you find it goofy because you feel like you're going to fall back? Because that's what most people do. They try and get down into that position, and they feel like they're falling back because it's quite hard to get into that bottom pistol squat position. Uh, yeah, and if that's the case, grab onto the platform, elevate your heel, have a go from there. Just make sure that when you do it, Man, I, that is a humbling exercise. When I first started that, I had zero weight on my leg and I couldn't even get close to lifting my leg to horizontal. And in the video that I filmed for you guys, I think I had one or two kilos on my leg, um, which doesn't seem like much, but that's a huge improvement from where I was. So you've got to eat humble pie. You've got to make sure that you don't assist if I'm, my right leg is doing the swing. So my right leg is what's lifting like this. Do not push or do like a kipping movement with the left leg. You've got to be really strict so you can pressing your body forward, sucking yourself down into that pistol squat and holding the body still and relying 100% on the hip flexors on the right leg to make it happen. Um, it's a humbling experience. I don't think you've even tried that exercise any, yet. I have. Any compression strength is a humbling experience because you have such a big uptake in neural activity because it's yeah. this movement that you're usually not really uh, used to. Now, um, I'll share a quick personal... Um, um, episode that I'm dealing with at the moment, some of you may have um, heard that I did uh, the advanced version of the super accumulation program over the last two weeks. I'm on my last day of the resting period, five days off with zero training. And um, the only area of my body that failed me that suffered was my left hip flexor. Um, and uh, it means that I've got to sort of go back to the drawing board and, and, uh, and develop better compression strength. Um, so Rad will love hearing that. But uh, it's like you, you think, okay, I'm doing it for pike and I'm doing it for things like press to handstand. But, you know, I squat six days a week and what fell apart in that insane amount of volume squatting was that left hip flexor. Yep. So, you know, developing uh, compression strength, Blakely, in the hip flexors, it carries over to everything. And, and I can't believe how hard and how much it is to develop compression strength and how much I've had to work for it. But it makes sense to me now, now that I understand it. Because when you look at, um, you know, we've got a member in the gym here, um, Jess Matherson, who I'm about to post a video of today on our Instagram page, check that out, of her doing an eccentric stall depressed to handstand. She's working on getting it back because she was a child gymnast and she's lost it now. But if you look at her, it's phenomenal the way that um, people that did gymnastics as a kid, the way that their body maintains that ability to do compression strength. Because when you're a kid, not only does your body adapt very, very, very quickly, so you're, you, you just adapt to what you do, but you haven't had this adaptation to the chair. So the adaptation to the chair causes real problems and in the hips especially, it really affects the hip flexors. So as an adult learning how to do compression strength, uh, I'm just blown away as to how much work I've put in versus how little the results that I've gotten. And the results that I've gotten are phenomenal compared to the average person because I can do really good press to handstands now. Um, so my next goal is the stall to press. 
But uh, yeah, you know, for the amount of time invested versus the results that have been. You've also got something uh, um, working against you, which is your PARS yeah, defect. Yeah, that's right. That's my PARS defect and my spondylolisthesis. Yeah. going to help compression yeah. strength. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So keep at it, brother. Um, embrace the suck and, uh, you know, post some videos for me so I can have a look. Do it with no weight to start with. Make those changes that I said. Uh, post some videos in the, in the group for me so that I can have a look and, uh, and, and let's see if we can help you. Um, Hello, Wayne. Wayne Reed, thanks for tuning in, brother. Um, and thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, for those of you that are watching on the UMS Movement Mastermind, um, get your questions in so that we can answer them on the show. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, join the UMS Movement Mastermind. It's our private Facebook group. It's free for anyone. Um, we provide coaching just like this, and it's where our uh, members of our UMS online coaching program, when they post their questions, like today, they get really good answers. And, and for those of you that I'm part of that group, you're going to benefit from the uh, the answers that we give because we're giving you know really high level answers from these people that understand our program really well. And the reason why we are doing that on the UMS Movement Mastermind um, page is because we can interact at a high level. Uh, our guys can post videos and yeah. we can critique those videos, which yeah. we can't do on the on YouTube. YouTube yeah, we can't do it as well. This, we believe that we can help our tribe much better by doing it this way. So um, you guys are still getting it. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can see we still upload them. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out for the YouTube videos that are going to be getting posted this week on the middle splits. Next week, we're going into the pike. And um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Get yeah. your questions in. Get over and uh, subscribe to the uh, Movement Mastermind. Uh, the um, uh, Sound of Movement podcast. And, yeah, this, yeah uh, the podcast. Yeah, give us a five-star review. On, on uh, Spotify. Yeah. Search for The Sound of Movement. And we will, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.